You know what, as a five-year-old, I think they say that between the ages of five and seven is when, is when kids really start to remember things. They have like childhood amnesia before that. But for me, like at five years old, losing my dad, like I didn't know how to process it because I had no reference points. You know what I mean? Like at five, you, don't, you can't say, well, this feels like this because I've gone through it before. So I really didn't understand it. Hello, fellow Earthlings. Welcome to the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I'm your host, Jamila Burney, and together we will be stepping into our highest potential, exploring all things mind, body, and soul with just a smidge of business. You're a spiritual badass, soulpreneur, and a warrior for change. You're ready to expand your impact and leave your old self behind in order to raise your vibration so that you can positively influence your business, your community, and ultimately, the world. Without further ado, let's dive right into it. Hey, 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 welcome to today's episode of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. And I have with me today, Jay Nixon. He is an author, an author of The Purpose of Pain, and he is a transformational coach. He is helping people completely transform their lives, giving them the tools um, and techniques they need to turn their tragedy into triumph. Hey, Jay, how are you doing today? Hey, how are you doing? That was beautiful. I can, I'm just going to carry you around with me and be like, this is me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am so excited to share your story here um, with everyone. I know that you are living in your purpose, helping lift people up right now. But before we really get into what's going on with you right now, can you just give me a quick synopsis of what has brought you to where you are? Totally. I think what has me living in purpose and on purpose today is like the, you know, not to, to start talking about my book already, but I had a very traumatic, like early childhood. My father was killed when I was five years old in a car wreck. And then after that, probably for the next 20 years, every few years, I would lose someone really important to me. Like my, my grandfather, who was my father figure after my dad, then my other kind of mentor father figure. And then when I was 25, my best friend um, put a shotgun in his mouth and, and killed, pulled the trigger. And so I lived for like 20 to 25 years in this like chaotic world of like, tragedy, if you will. And I didn't really know what to do while I was in it. And now that I've kind of come out of the other side, that's kind of like where I feel like my purpose is like to help people because everybody's going to go through pain, but I don't, they don't have to suffer. You know, suffering's optional. And I feel like that my job, my purpose, the reason I was put on this earth is to take all of that stuff, those tragedies, and turn them into triumphant wins and show other people how they can do the exact same thing regardless of what they've gone through. They can indeed. So when, let's dive back into your childhood a little bit. When you were losing people close to you, when you were losing your father, what was going through your mind? Like what kind of mental state were you in? Yeah, you know what, as a five-year-old, I think they say that between the ages of five and seven is when, is when kids really start to remember things. They have like childhood amnesia before that. 
but for me, like at five years old, losing my dad, like I didn't know how to process it because I had no reference points. You know what I mean? Like at five, you don't, you can't say, well, this feels like this because I've gone through it before. So I really didn't understand it. And I went through these bouts of like, just when you don't understand something, you have to like put like, you have to put a label on it or put a, an emotion on it that may not be correct. So I put fear in the place of understanding and I became like almost like afraid of things. And through that fear, I like didn't know how to handle my emotions. And so I would be very like just pent up with like anger and misunderstanding and those types of things. Cause I didn't know how to express myself, you know? So that was kind of how it all started. And then as I progressed, you know, through those other losses, you know, the same thing, I just kept like, it was like the universe was piling on top of me and I didn't know how to get out from under it because I never developed those coping skills as a young child because my first remembrance of anything was this like crazy tragedy of like, you know, Hey, one day my dad's here, the next minute he's not. And there's no way to, there's no way to process that when you're that young. Yeah. How was, how was that um, like with you and your mom? You know, what I did is um, even though I had a, my brother six years older than me, and this sounds crazy to say, and I know most people might not be able to understand this, but as a five-year-old, I almost took on the role of the protector of my house. I became very um, protective of my whole family. So I was terrified that my mother was going to die because at five years old, you think, well, if my dad died so easily, then my mom might not wake up tomorrow. So I had this fear association with like being close to my mom. I felt like if, if I get close to my mom and I love her like I'm supposed to, well, what if she dies? Then what am I going to do? Like I'm going to be alone forever. So I had these like crazy feelings of like uncertainty about like, am I supposed to love my mom? Because if I do and everybody I love dies, then she might die. And so it was this crazy dichotomy of like me trying to be like the protector of my mother, but also like, protecting my own emotions and my own feelings and hard, hard to process and think that a five-year-old could think that dynamically, but that's what I remember of it. And growing up, um, you said when you were, you were 25, when you lost your friend by suicide, how would you say like your response to that? Was it different or was it similar to your response when you were five? Definitely. So I conditioned myself, um, you know, at, at one point when I was about 16 years old, my next door neighbor, who was my, um, my kind of my closest father figure, it was Christmas day, I was over at his house, he had a heart attack, I ended up having to give him CPR until the ambulance came and he passed away on the way to the hospital. So I, I was so conditioned by by the time that my that Chuck killed himself, that I had these walls up of like, I mean, this is just what happens to me. You know what I mean? Like after something happens so many times, you, you almost become numb to it. So I had, I had conditioned myself to expect death to be around me. So when it happened, yes, you're sad, but my emotional ability to like cry or have those like empathy, you know what I mean? Like those feelings that you're supposed to feel kind of not there because I had like, I felt like I just, I had cried every tear I could possibly cry for everybody I was ever going to lose. You know what I mean? And so I just, I almost became numb to the situation. You kind of like boxed it out. Totally. But yeah. Totally. And so from that point, can you start to walk me through like when the transition started happening for you? Yeah, you know, it was pretty soon after, um, after my friend Chuck um, killed himself, I started to just, you know, the, the years and the year or two after that, I started to realize that like the, 
the ideals I had about life, like this limiting belief that life was scarce and it was supposed to be short and like bad things were going to happen to me was such a controlling mechanism for my life that I had transitioned into other areas as well. Like I would, I would push friends away. Like I wouldn't allow anybody to get close to me. Um, I didn't want to, I didn't fully pour myself into like my work because I always felt like, listen, I could die. I'm probably not going to be here very long. What's the point in like going all in on a career? What's the point in going all in on making money? What's the point in going in on all in like my spirituality or anything? And so I kind of lived very, um, you know, day to day for a long time. And then I just kept started thinking as I got closer towards 30 years old, this is not sustainable. Like I'm not going to be able to sustain this from a mental perspective for very much longer because I was breaking down just like internally. I never shared that with anyone, but on the inside, like I knew that that pattern was going to have to, to, to fix itself. And so what I started doing is I started like kind of like my own self-help journey because I didn't know, it wasn't like it is today where you can go online and there's a guru for everything. Back then it was like, what the heck do I do? You know what I mean? So, you know, I would, I would read books by Deepak Chopra and, and you know, the, the original like dudes that were like trying to help you through things of this nature that's kind of like the way it all started. And then I got deeper and deeper and deeper into personal development and seminars and, and things of that nature. And that's what kind of really like opened up my world to this, like I can be, do and have anything that I want mentality. I, I love that you said that because for me, it was the same way, like getting mentors, getting involved, really heavily involved into personal development. For me, it actually um, came first in a multi-level marketing company because um, yeah. they're very big on, you know, personal development. And um, that was kind of my first introduction. But that environment, being around other people growing I've noticed to be a very common theme <laughs> for people in their yeah. journey. I've had a coach um, for the last 15 years. Like I always say, never trust a coach without a coach. So I am, I have multiple coaches. I'm in multiple mastermind groups. I, I believe in surrounding myself with like-minded people who have this desire to grow and, and evolve. And it doesn't matter what level you want to start at. Like I, I want to be around people that are just starting out. And I want to also be around people. Like I believe in the whole plus minus equals scenario. Like I want all of those in my circle so that I can help someone who's a minus get up to my level. I want someone who's an equal so we can spar and like, you know, really go at it mentally. And then I want those pluses that I'm chasing because success leaves clues, you know? Yeah. And you, you exactly what you're saying that success leaves clues, but also um, just like being in that energy field, it helps totally you uplift. Um, now, and I know that you have dove in a little bit more into your spiritual side. What was your spiritual uh, life growing up? Was it present at all? Did you go to church? Like, what? yeah, it's a good question. So I, I wrote, I write about this in the book in depth because it's such a, it was such a weird thing for me. I grew up in, um, in Texas. So I grew up in like the, the Baptist church capital of the world. So that, you know, there's more churches than there are people in the town I grew up with. And so it was a really weird situation before my father passed away. I don't remember anything about church. I don't remember anything about the Bible. I don't remember anything about any of that. But we lived in like this small town in West Texas, actually out in the country. But as soon as my dad passed away, the, the 
church people, and that sounds like a weird thing to say, the church people of the town, <laughs> um, they all started to like come and, you know, check on us and things of that nature. And it was almost like a, this sounds awful, but it's like a recruiting process almost. It's like, oh, come to our church or hey, come to this church and best intentions, right? But as a five-year-old, when I went to church and I listened to the message of, you know, God will take care of you and blah, blah, blah. And at five years old, what had just happened to me, I couldn't put those two things together. I'm like, if this God is such an amazing God and he wants me to be happy and take care of me, I couldn't wrap my mind around like why he would take my dad away from me, right? The only, the only, the only perspective I could gain from it is I must be a horrible person because bad things happen to bad people. My dad was taken away from me, so it must have been my fault, right? And so I carried that with me for a really long time in like organized religion and going to church. And then when I got to an age where I could make my own decisions, um, you know, when mom was no longer making me get up and go to Sunday school and go to church, um, I stopped going to what I would consider to be like organized religion. And I kind of started my own quest. Like I, I want to, st I study everything, Buddhism, um, Taoism, like Hindu, like I want to know about everything so that I can make my own decisions on how I want to move through the world. On the flip side of that, I give everybody else that same freedom. Like, I don't, I don't care what you believe in as long as you do no harm to someone else in the, in the, the opportunity of your belief. And so I would say now I consider myself, and this is very vague, but to be more of a, a spiritual person, like I, ha I work with energy healers. Um, you know, I believe in, you know, the chakras and the meridians and the, you know, I, I think all we are as human beings is energy. And I think if you can really tap into that and get a really great understanding of, of why you're here from a purposeful nature is to connect with other, other energy sources and other energy beings that doesn't matter what you believe. I mean, I believe there is a God. I just don't believe in the same structuralization that the Bible lays it out in, right? I call it the universe. I call, you know what I mean? So, but I don't get caught up in that. Some people do. Like I'm a free spirit of like, you do you and let's all be happy and let's love each other. And at the end of the day, if we come together like that, like that's the real win. Right. So for me, I went from like religious Southern Baptist come up to the front of the church and don't be a sinner anymore to now, like knowing who I am as a, as a spiritual being and knowing that my purpose here on life is to make other people's lives better. And I think as long as I'm walking that path, like you can't really go wrong. Yeah, so you haven't always been walking on this path. You used to work in kind of the pharmaceutical kind totally. of healthcare um, world. H how was that? Awful. <laughs> um, so, you know, growing up, you know, as a, as a young man, you're taught you're supposed to wear a suit and you're supposed to have a name tag and you're supposed to have a title. And I had a company car and I had an expense account and I was selling pharmaceuticals that I wouldn't take myself. Like I won't even take an Advil now. Um, I don't take any pharmaceutical medications. I don't take anything like that, nor would I recommend my family or friends. So I went to work conflicted on, you know, from an outside perspective of I'm going to make money. I have a really great job. I have a company car, all the things I talked about, but I'm selling something that's not congruent with what I really believe in. And I got to a point where I'm like, this just is not serving me and I'm not serving my purpose here on the earth in doing what it is that I'm doing. And so it was that, that internal struggle and internal battle to know that like, you can make money doing anything. You can probably make more, I mean, I make 10 times more money now as working for myself and with other people and doing what I do than I ever did ever would have, you know, having a, a major corporations 
title behind my name. You know what I mean? And so the separation of that was, was one of the biggest transformational moments for me. It allowed me to start living as my true authentic self. Because as long as I was like perpetrating that like false belief or that false J that I'm really not, I was never going to be able to be my, my true self to my relationships, my health and fitness, my spirituality, my anything. And when I took that mask off of like, I have to be this corporate dude, my life got so much more amazing. You know, it was, it's, it's astronomically different. What was your aha moment that you had to leave? I just, it was a struggle every day. So, you know, when you're a pharmaceutical rep, you go around from office to office and you see sick people day in and day out and day in and day out. And you talk to doctors who really don't, I mean, I, I'm going to say this and this, this is going to come off wrong, but it's the only way I can articulate it now. They care about the patient, but they don't care about the patient like I would like them to care about the patient. If that makes any sense, right? And I know they don't have the capacity to because they can't spend eight hours with one patient because there's, you know, 75 people waiting in the waiting room. So I get that aspect of it. But it was just, I was, I was working in and around things that were not congruent with how I felt on the inside. And eventually when that internal battle and internal struggle gets so deep, um, and the epiphanal moment for me was um, I met my significant other, Lori, now, who is very um, entrepreneurial, very spiritual, just like I am. Um, we share a lot, all the same ideals. And she basically believed in me before I believed in myself that I could do what it is that I do, um, health and fitness, nutrition, transformational coaching, all that. And, you know, she actually allowed me to give myself permission, if you will, to really follow that path and, you know, drop the corporate structure and do all that kind of jazz. So um, my hat's off to her and I write about her in both of my books. Um, I'm a firm believer that we get nowhere in life on our own and I have no idea where I'd be if I hadn't met her. Yeah, I, I'm, I can relate on a certain level because I left corporate world six figure income to do my own business as well. So for the people out there who are still in the nine to five, who are still in, you know, the working environment, but maybe they have something on their heart that they want to do, you know, what was kind of your first steps to like get out of that, to start building your own thing? What would you recommend? You know, there's a couple of options, right? Like every, in, the, in the world we live in now, like everybody's talking about the side hustle. Like, you know, you start your thing while you got your other thing. Um, for me, that really didn't work. Like I went all in on um, my fitness and nutrition business. And that meant um, starting with zero clients. That meant starting with like a fundamental belief that I could create this and make this happen. Um, and it worked out amazingly well for me. Um, but I think if you're going to do that, you've got to go in with a undeniable, unfathomable, uncrackable belief that you are going to be successful. And you need a good support system, a good circle of success around you that's going to give you that pat on the butt when you need it because you're going to need that as an entrepreneur or somebody who's just now starting out. But I think the most important thing is this. If you find something that you're unbelievably, truly passionate about, like not just a little bit, not because it's fun, not because it's cute, not because it's popular on Instagram, but something that like when you get up in the morning, I'll give you an example. I get up at 3.30, 3.15 to 3.30 every morning. When I was in the corporate world, I set my alarm for 30 minutes before I had to be out the door, 6.30, and I hated getting up. Now I get up before my alarm even goes off, and I'm so freaking happy that I can't stand it. And that's how you'll know when you start doing something 
that you are so freaking happy to do that you don't even call it work anymore. That's the thing for you. Like that's the thing that's going to get you to where you want to go in life. And that's the thing that you're going to be able to create a life of abundance with. Yeah. So the belief, let's, let's talk a little bit more about that self belief. Mm -hmm. Um, as someone who grew up with a lot of guilt, um, and maybe even shame, how did you build that self belief, that self confidence? Cause I know that's something that a lot of us struggle with. Yeah. For me, I am all about my rituals and my standards and my habits. And so I create, um, I'm, I'm luckily, luckily for me, I'm a little bit OCD. So it works in my favor because I can create habits and standards and rituals for myself. And when I create them, I stick to them. So it's like I was talking about getting up at like 3.15 to 3.30 every morning. I get up, I go through a morning routine. Like I'm very structured in my, in my craft and what it is that I do. And I think that's important when you're first starting out. Um, when you get later down the road, if you want to be a little more loose with yourself, I think that's great. But just starting out, you need these controlled habits so you can know where you're at throughout the day and so that you can like make sure that you're in the right frame of reference and the right frame of mind when you're doing all of those things. And so I think the self-belief comes with this too, keeping promises to yourself. So that's where most people go wrong is they break promises that they make to themselves. And for some people, they've broken promises themselves for so long that now they don't even believe their own stuff. You know, they don't even believe when they, when they say they're going to do something, like they know even when they say it, that it's not going to happen. So they just don't do it. Yeah. Can, can you expand a little bit on your, your morning routine for yeah. me? Because totally. um, I'm, I'm with you that when you're in alignment, you get excited for the day, but also, you know, if you're waking up that early, I'm, I'm assuming there's some intention setting going on. Can you totally. tell me what's happening? <laughs> Absolutely. So, and I'm glad you said that. And I love that word alignment. I think that's the key word that if you're in alignment, everything flows so much better. So 3.15 to 3.30, I get up. The first thing I do every morning, and um, Lori can attest to this, is I say, holy shit, I'm alive. Because I think it's an amazing thing. Like, I think we take that for granted. And then I say, thank you. So, and then I go in and I start my journaling process. So the first thing I do is I start my, I do like a gratitude card every day. So I have these cards that I write to myself. And the first word on the top of every card is thank you, because I'm just, you know, thanking the universe, thanking God for the abundance that I have in my life. And then I write as many things as I'm thankful for on that particular card. So I start every single day like that. Um, I do an intention setting for the day. So I set my intention for the day. What is my day going to look like? What's my goal for today? Um, then I go into a little bit of a journaling process where I talk about um, the action steps related to that intention and how I'm going to make that intention come to fruition. Um, and then I basically get myself ready, head to the gym. Um, I start seeing clients at my studio between, most of them start showing up around 4.30 in the morning. So and I just start that connection process of, you know, working with people and, you know, connecting with uh, other humans, which I think is super vital. Yeah, I agree. Um, what time do you go to bed? Just curious. Yeah. So that, uh, that's, the, that's the first question most people ask me when I tell them how early I get up. I usually go to sleep. Um, my goal is to be asleep by nine o'clock. If, if some nights, if I'm asleep by 830, that's a huge win. Um, some nights it might be eight o'clock if I've had like a really, you know, mentally taxing, you know, stressful week or something of that nature. So in between eight and nine. And are, uh, how do you like create space for yourself to, to sleep yeah. and to have like that 
good rest. Cause I know in our day and age with cell phones and social media, sometimes we can get like caught up in stuff. Can you kind of, yeah, so I do like a, I do a technology disconnect. Probably my goal is to be disconnected by about six to six thirty. So after six thirty, I don't look at my phone. Um, I don't answer my phone. My phone's on silent. Like I don't know if it rings. I don't know if you text me. I don't know if you email me. I don't know anything. Um, so that's kind of my way of disconnecting from the world. Like that two hours before, at least minimum of two hours before I'm going to fall asleep, and that really allows my brain to like get back to just like normal functioning without all of them the likes and messages and blah, 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 and all that stuff that we're also addicted to. Um, so yeah, I just, the, the technology disconnect is imperative for me and I run my day in like two shifts. And so when you get up at three fifteen by 1130, I mean, I've pretty much worked an eight hour day. Right. So then between 1130 and like one o'clock, usually that hour and a half is kind of J time. If I need to take a 15 minute nap, I'll take a 15 minute nap. If I need to meditate for half an hour, I'll meditate. Like that's my time to like reconnect with the world outside of social media, outside of work, outside of everything. And then from 1.30 to, like I said, about 6.30, that's like the second shift of my day. So being a coach, um, a lot of what we do as coaches is we're listening to other people's problems and kind of what's going on in their lives. Kent, how are you separating like, your like if maybe if you're not in the best mood that day how are you creating a barrier between that and your coaching this is going to sound crazy i am 99% of the time and so my favorite um I, I believe in like state control i believe in like controlling your state is the most um optimal thing you can do for your life and so equanimity is my favorite word so equanimity basically means neither too high nor too low you're basically in flow state with, you know, the universe. So that's really where I try to keep my state. Um, occasionally, I mean, we're not, nobody's perfect. You're going to be elevated or you're going to be down a little bit. But for the most part, I'm really great at controlling my state. But that's come with like 10 years of work at that. You know what I mean? So now in, in the stage of my career, I'm really able to disconnect from outside things, aggravating work stuff, technology breakdowns, things of that nature. I just know that at the end of the day, like those things are inconsequential. And the most important thing for me to do is to tap into that one-on-one -on -one energy connection, like I talked about earlier with my client, um, because that's what they deserve. And that's really, you know, that's my purpose is to give them everything they deserve. And it's not really even about me anymore. Yeah. And with that state control, I feel like that's something that also comes with that inner work. Totally. Because we we see mirrored in our lives how we feel about ourselves. Totally. I said yesterday to one of my clients, like they were, we were going through this scenario and it's, it's, this, it's an analogy that we've all heard, but we see the world as we are, not as it is. And so if, if, I come, if I come into a state in a state of anger, aggravation or whatever, that's the energy that you and I are going to have to fight through to get to whatever it is that we really need to get to. So it's, it's, a, it's not fair for me to bring that baggage. I always say like, you know, I have a note on my, that hangs in my office that says that I'm responsible for the energy that I bring into every situation or scenario. And so I truly believe that we are responsible for the energy that we bring into even this connection we have today, like you and I chatting, like we're both responsible to anyone who's listening to have a beautiful, great connective energy where we 
honestly care about what each other have to say and like can expand and expound on those things. So that's where people are going to get the true value. Now, where do you suggest someone kind of starts, starts? Because I mean, me, me and you, we've been doing this work for a little yeah. while. So uh, if we have, if you are in this state, there's a bug flying around, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> if you are in this state of anxiety or fear yeah. and you're, you don't know, even know how to comprehend this state control that you're talking about, right. what's your suggestion? You know, I, I think about this all the time because I, I always ask myself, like, what would I do? What would Jay do today if all of this was available, you know, back then whenever I started my journey? Um, and my first thought is like, I would probably been has as I would probably have been as overwhelmed as I was underwhelmed at that stage, right? So back then it was a struggle to find things. Now it would almost be like an excess of information because everybody's got a system or everybody's got a theory or everybody's got a, a something. I think the most important thing for you to do is to um, I'll kind of back into this question. So I believe in broadening your perspective. Um, trying to see things from a much wider view than you normally would in these scenarios. That way you can actually take in information and figure out what works for you. And I would also say to someone like, how do you learn the best? Like some people are audible learners. Some people can read a book and implement strategies really, really easy. Some people can read a book and not even remember what they read three pages ago. So I think you first and foremost have to really tap into you and like what works for you. Do you work well in a, in a group coaching program? You know, or are you more of a one-on-one -on -one person? These are all questions I would ask myself. And I would get that answer before I started. Like in, the, in my book, I talk about the personal development vortex. So what I think is happening today is there's such an over um, influx of information that everybody is over consuming and underutilizing. Meaning we're consuming so many things from so many different people and so many different formats that at the end of the day, we don't even know what to do and we're not doing anything. So I would say minimize, and this sounds crazy to say from a coach's perspective, minimize your ingestion of information and then take that minimization and implement whatever it is that you ingest so that you know if that works for you. So if you listen to, let's just say you listen to Coach Ted, listen to what Coach Ted has to say, implement the strategies that Coach Ted gives you, and then give your, audit yourself, audit the feedback that you want to give yourself did those strategies work for me? If yes, do more of that. If no, find another way to do it, right? Keep trying and sampling till you figure out like what works for you. Because everybody has a different path and all paths can lead to the same destination. Yeah, I want to touch back on just like the overload of information because it really can be overwhelming. And you, it's also hard to know, like, who am I supposed to listen to? Like, this person's saying this, this person's saying that. And it just causes more of a confusion and a state of turmoil. And I do see, I mean, as someone who is involved in masterminds and coaching, I do see this almost like addiction to information happening. Totally. People are so addicted to being involved in the masterminds, but they're not actually utilizing the information right it's almost become kind of cool to be part of a group or to be in this guy's mastermind or oh i went to this guy's live event or this lady's blah 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 
I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky in the fast, in the fact that like, I don't have like, I don't have human envy. So I don't, um, I don't look at like a coach's title and say, I mean, you and I, are, we have two mega dudes that we're part of a program in. Right. And so it'd be really easy for some people to get caught up in like, Oh my gosh, that's my coach. Like, that's not what it's about for me. It's about the information dissemination and like what I can utilize from that because I wouldn't care if it was, I mean, Tony Robbins or whatever, if he didn't resonate with me, it wouldn't matter. Like I'd get no value out of that. And so I think a lot of times what I'd like to say to people who are looking for a coach is like, don't put the value on the title or the name of the person disseminating the information, put the value on the, your ability to utilize the information that you're ingesting. And I'll be honest with you. A lot of the coaches, me included, every, probably 90% of the people are saying virtually the same thing. They're just using different language. They're using different techniques. They're using different mediums. Some of them cuss. Some of them don't cuss. Some of them are religious. Some of them are spiritual. Some of them are purple. Some of them are brown. Some of them are blue. Figure out what you like to listen to. So here's, here's one. Th- I'll tell you something about me. I know I have to be entertained and educated at the same time. If you can't entertain me, you can't educate me. It's just how my brain works. I like to laugh while I learn. And so I know that it's, imper- it's imperative for me to have a coach or be with a coach or in a system where I can laugh a little bit while I'm learning. So just learn, what, learn how you like to learn and then that will help you find the right coach for you. Yeah, that, that awareness factor. Totally. Um, going, go, diving deep, figuring out your own self. Now that can be, that's a whole- You'd be scared. Other, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Like that's a whole nother level and it is scary. And part of finding who you are is creating space to find who you are. So that means, you know, I actually did an episode on this before on the magic of creating space. Um, If you want to go back and listen to that, you guys, but in summary, it's basically, you just need to give yourself that time away from the social media and the podcast and all of the information. I know it sounds weird that I'm saying this on a podcast on I love it. And as someone who creates co- as a content creator, like you need to take a step back from that. And part of that, just to even backtrack more is like that technology detox before bedtime. Like yeah. Jay was talking about, that's something that I do as well. That's very important in my life. And you guys, if you take that step back, like that is the only way that you're going to actually find yourself. And then from that place, you can move forward and you can be like, okay, now I can find the mentor. Now I can find the places where I can learn from. I'll give you, I think that's amazingly intelligent and vital information. I would say, don't think about going back and listening to that episode. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already, because I think that's crucial. And I'm going to expand on that a little bit deeper. So for myself, I know that I have to get away. So I'm such a, I love to work. I love, I love what I do. It's not even work. I hate to use that. But I also know that I get extreme clarity when I'm away from it. So Lori and I, we go on like these little sabbaticals, like we're going to Sedona this weekend for her birthday. Um, we go to these little places that when I come back from somewhere, I'm so much more clear. I'm so have much, so much more clarity. Um, and I agree, I'm a content creator as well. And I wanted, to, I wanted you guys to hear this. Like, I, I love social media and I hate social media at the same time. And here's the reason I don't like it is because I think comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's where a lot of people find themselves is in. I'll, I'll tell you what, 
I, I put up, I, I post a, at least one post on Instagram usually every day and I cannot tell you how many likes I get. I don't care. That's not why I post it. I don't post it to get likes. I post it because here's my, here's my intention with that post. I want one person to read that and be like, thank you, Jay. Like that, that is going to help me today get to a different place of where I need to be. And that's all I care about. I don't care if I get 5,000 likes. Who cares if you get 5,000 likes if nobody does anything with your content? Who, who cares? What's the value of that? So create content, consume content based on value, not on anything else. I don't care who posted it. It could be a dude with one follower and it may be an epiphanal statement. That's, that's just as important as if Tony Robbins posts something and they, they said the same thing. It's, it's just as important. It doesn't matter who the title is behind the guy who posted it. We have to lose that concept. Yes. I get crazy. I'm sorry. I get a little bit, I get a little bit hyped up. <laughs> no, it's okay because I'm so with you. Like sometimes people are like, oh, I want to hire this coach because they have a million followers or whatever. And both of us, we do have coaches who are in that space yeah. who do have a million followers. And, but that's not the important part. Like it doesn't matter what their following is or how many people are engaging with content. Like it really just it matters the message and how you can relate to it. And that's one thing that I want to share with you guys as well is no matter where you are at in your journey, like you can share and you might not even know that people are watching. You might not even know that people are being impacted. I can't even tell you how many people have come to me within the past year who have been like, I've been following your journey for the past six years and I just want to tell you this. And I'm like, I never even knew who you were. <laughs> yep. It happens all the time, guys. I want, she's dead spot on. Somebody is watching you right now and is waiting and wanting you to do something that's going to help them get to the next level of where they want to be. So, so based on that, um, what do you, with, we're talking about like this, lots of information out there. So tell me about like the fears about oversaturation. Oversaturation in what context? Like, what do you mean? Just in any business. I see a lot of these fears coming up from people, even like people asking me questions about like, I want to do this, but there's already oh, like, I'm gotcha. a mindset coach. Like, tell me about that. hundred percent. I, I think first and foremost, you have to, you have to remove yourself from that comparison analogy. Like, I think we all have unique abilities and we all have these unique gifts. I'll give you guys a perfect scenario. So where my fitness studio is in Palm Desert, California, I can throw a rock and I'm, I'll be 45. I have no arm anymore. I be, I'm probably going to toss it underhand. I can underhand a rock and hit five fitness studios. Five. Those are people that do the exact same thing that I do. And I don't say this as out of conceit or anything of that nature. I believe that I'm the best in town. I have an amazing clientele and I never ever worry about someone going next door. I don't care, it's not, I never worry about that. All I worry about is taking care of the people that I am supposed to take care of. And that is who you will get drawn to you. People that aren't supposed to come to you, guess what? They're not coming to you. Doesn't matter where you're at, doesn't matter how pretty your sign is, doesn't matter how many free things you give them, doesn't matter how many, what your discounts are, they're not coming to you. And if they do, they'll leave quickly because they're in the wrong place. But the people who are supposed to be with you will be with you. I mean, literally the, 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 what I would consider like the competitor, if you will, and I don't consider them that, is literally less than 100 yards, 50 yards away from my front door. They have great clients. 
they run by my door sometimes and I'm like, Hey guys, what's going on? Like I treat them like they're my own clients, right? They don't come to me and that's okay. Like they have a home. Everybody's got a home. So lose this oversaturation thing. So if you want to be an online coach, guess what? It's busy. There's people everywhere. Everybody's a coach today, but they're not you. They're not res. They don't want to talk like you. They're not going to feel like you. They're not going to connect like you. They're not going to post like you. So just be you. Don't mimic somebody else's strategies, somebody else's tactics, somebody else's language. You don't have to be Gary V. It, it will come off so inauthentic. You don't have to be Andy Frisella. If you use the F word, every other word out of your mouth, and you're like a tiny little, you know, guy who's never worked out a day in his life, it's probably going to come out inauthentic. You're going to come out like, why is he trying to be Andy? Like Andy's this giant beastly guy. You know, you weigh 117 pounds. It's like, for me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Like it just wouldn't come off right. So just be you. Like if you're authentically you, you can't lose. Uh, I, that was gold. Oh, if you, you are authentically you, you cannot lose. Impossible. It's absolutely impossible so like throw away that fear of judgment like we've all been through shit we've all been through horrible things everyone you know we've we need to stop allowing that to hold us back because guess what your neighbor was through something too jay was through a lot of stuff Everybody. i was through a lot of stuff and guess what the only way that we have been able to turn that around and turn our you know, the purpose of pain, <laughs> turn our pain into a purpose is by accepting that as part of who we are and then allowing us to show up authentically. And just as he said, the right people are going to come to you. Like, I mean, I also own a marketing agency. So obviously like I'm into like funnels and all of that stuff, but like that honestly doesn't matter. You don't need any of those things. You can attract the right people into your life without having any of those things. Um, it's all just about like that energy that you're putting out there. Totally. Or authentically you, you cannot lose. And we talked about this before we started the podcast. Like guys, I, I do a lot of like training videos and I speak, I'm a, I'm a speaker. Like I get paid to go stand on stage. I say words sometimes that aren't even words. Like I make up words and I'll be like, why did I just say that? But that's just part of me being me. And guess what? Nobody's ever like, oh my gosh, Jay's so stupid. They laugh because it's like, it's just who I am. It's like, it's a part of me. And they know that Jay's probably going to take two words, combine them and create his own word. And then he's probably going to start using it on a regular basis, like a weirdo. <laughs> but people are drawn to that because they, I love weird people. Like if you're a little bit goofy and you're a little bit like, outside of the norm like i'm drawn to you because i'm fascinated by people like i want to be around you like if you're all straight laced and you like memorize your script and you've got your bow ties perfect and your hair's not messed up at all and it's like you know you got the perfect background i'm like well this is produced and staged i'd rather just see you be you and i'll follow you all day long because i love i love to watch people be themselves well, and people can't relate to that. They can't oh. relate to this perfect image. It's like, well, that's so far removed from anywhere where I am. Totally. That it actually takes away from the message that you're trying to share. Yeah. I talk about my book, like I'm a, I'm a health and fitness guy. When I was young, I was so chubby that the thought of like shirts versus skins, like that's what guys used to have to play, play in basketball. They'd be like, okay, you guys be shirts, you guys be skins the thought of having to be on skins, if I had to take my shirt off, like I'd lose my mind. 
Like, so I know what it's like to be different. I know what it's like to be like an outlier. I know what it's like to like feel insecure and not to, and to be vulnerable and to be terrified. That's okay. Still be terrified, still be vulnerable. And I think that's what gives me the authentic presence today of like, I'm just going to be me. And like, if you like me, then I want you to like me more, you know? And if you don't, then I am okay with that too. Like we just don't vibe and that's cool as well. So you just brought something up that I, I want to ask about as well. So one of the things that Jay does is he helps people with their weight loss, but on like an energetic level as well. So you're um, talking about how you used to feel. Can you yeah. tell me how you've noticed this holding on to weight has to do with your energetic state? hundred percent. So I, I was, was telling, I was saying earlier, I use health and fitness to get people into my world so that I can really honestly, truly help them transform into the, the human that they want to be, they desire and they deserve to be. And I think weight loss is a side effect of actually healing and coming to grips with the, the, the struggle or the tragedy or the pain that most people have inside of them. Most people aren't 300 pounds because they just like potato chips. It's just not the way it is. The potato chip is just a, a vehicle for comfort because they're masking it in some other fashion. And so what I do is I work on, um, you know, the whole transformational um, perspective of, of the soul and the mind. And I think that it all really starts in between the two ears. Our brain is the thing that's really controlling us. And if we get stuck in these tragedies or these painful moments of our lives, we will generally um, like self-destruct. And part of self-destruction could be eating too much because it's safe. It's the one thing in your life you feel like you have control of. And so I know it's not as simple as saying, hey, don't eat donuts anymore, right? Like that may work for a little while, but that will eventually break down. So you really have to work on the psychology behind why it is that someone is overindulging with food. And so that's really where I focus. And that's really where my, my main expertise lies is really digging into the reasons why someone is stuck and not so much how they got stuck with the food issues. I like that. I like that. I've, uh, do you follow Charlie rocket at all? I do not follow Charlie rocket. I, I was, it just reminded me of his yeah. journey, his, um, weight loss journey. He, uh, he has been holding on to a lot of weight and he was recently in Bali and, uh, the coach that he was working with basically told him, well, you can change your diet and you can like do all these things, but he still wasn't losing weight. And, and, and she was basically like, you're holding on to the ener the energetic being of being overweight. And that's what you need to heal first. That just reminded me of that. Totally. The emotional baggage that people have is much more destructive than the physical weight that they're carrying. And until you correct, until you get a grasp on that emotional pain and that emotional baggage, you're never going to long-term heal the physical weight and the physical pain. That's just the, that's just the mask. And once you start to get vulnerable and get truthful about why you're really in the position you're in, then that's the only chance you ever have of like healing from anything. Yeah. Completely. Um, so this podcast is starting to go um, go on. We could continue to dive into so many more topics, but I'm gonna, we're going to reel it back in now. So Jay, if there was one 
final thing that you could leave with the audience if they only get one thing out of this whole episode, lay it out for me now. I believe this wholeheartedly. I think that the universe or life always gives you two options and two options only. You either get to evolve or you're going to have to repeat. And so I think we follow these archetypal patterns of things that happen in our life. And until we learn the lessons that we're supposed to learn, we will continue to repeat those lessons. And so I would look for the involvement, the message or the learning opportunity and everything. Like I believe that, you know, it's like Ed says, I think life happens uh, for us and not to us. So everything you're going through, everything you've gone through, try to find the message within that event, within that person, within that place, within that time that you can take something to learn from and utilize that to evolve past that tragedy, past that adversity, past that circumstance, so that you don't have to continue to repeat that same thing over and over again, because you will repeat it until you learn from it. Yes. Now, you are always creating awesome content, so if people want to be inspired by you, if your energy and your story related, where can they find you so they can get inspiration from Sure. The easiest places to be if you're an Instagram person, it's just Jay Nixon. So J-A-Y-N-I-X-O-N dot Thrive Fitness. Um, I'm on Facebook just at my name, Jay Nixon. And then my website is thriveforeverfit.com. Awesome, Jay. And as always, you guys, I'm going to put all of those links um, in the description and the show notes as well. So you can easily find him and follow him. Um, thank you so much, Jay. Thank for you. On today. I'm so excited of of just about our conversation. I want to have more conversations with you in the future. As well. Super fun. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to leave us a review and share this episode with someone who needs to hear this message. That's how our podcast grows. Are you curious about learning more about harnessing the power of your subconscious mind? Then join the free Rewire Challenge, where we dive deep into the subconscious mind, how it works, and give you some tangible action steps to begin rewiring it to serve you. Go to bit.ly slash rewire challenge. That's bit.ly slash rewire challenge. Until next time, I'm your host, Jamila Bernie, signing out.